You're listening to Beyond the Ribbon, a podcast of the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center. This podcast is brought to you by Kia of Amarillo, proud member of the AutoWing family of dealerships. Be sure to check out their website at kiaofamarillo.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey, Ryan. How are you today? I'm doing good, Pam. Good. The, the weather's nice. It's, it's you know. Not blowing. It's not blowing. Yeah. <laughs> today. <laughs> you know, sometimes we bring up very hard topics. And these topics are hard for not only us, but some of the people that we serve. It is. And I remember, and we've addressed this before, you know, when we first sat down and, and you had the idea to do a podcast, um, that we basically committed to each other saying, we are going to ask the hard questions and we're going to cover the hard topics. Right. You know, at least you can push a play on your um Spotify mm-hmm. or iTunes, um, wherever you listen to your podcast, um, at the comfort of your own settings. Right. Um, and this topic is maybe uncomfortable for some. It, and it, so you can yeah. listen to it. Yeah. You can share it. You yeah. can um, open that conversation. And, and ultimately, though, Pam, and you're right, and you and I have talked about this too, ultimately today's topic is something that we're all going to have to face. Yes. Um, regardless, I mean, you're going to have to face it. I'm going to have to face it. Um, we've not been diagnosed with cancer. Um, but we are going to have to face this. And so it is, it's one of those ones that I think is very, uh, can be challenging and difficult, but it's going to be informative. I can guarantee you that. Yes. There's two facts in life, right? Uh, yeah, pretty much born Born and you're going to die. Yeah, that's right. And so, I mean, that leads us right into, uh, today's guest, uh, many of you, uh, know, Melanie, you may not know Melanie in this capacity, but, uh, I guarantee there's a lot of people that know Melanie because, um, those appointments with Melanie get filled up real quick for massage. Yes. She's just a very calming yes. person. Yeah. So you'll notice that too, when she starts talking, <laughs> but we'll be quiet for a second. And Melanie Eggleston, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we get to talk about this today. Yeah. And you know, the thing about it is, um, you, Melanie was one of our first couple of, of um, uh, instructors and, and, and uh, facilitators to come on board with us. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Melanie is a licensed massage therapist in the state of Texas, but not just a massage therapist. Why don't you tell our listeners what else you are in um, terms of massage therapy? Sure. I am also an oncology trained massage therapist. I also was trained so that I can work in the chemo room. I am infusion trained. And in addition to that, I'm also an end of life massage therapist. Yeah. So when you say infusion trained, what do you mean? I was trained so that I'm able to safely perform massage on clients as they get their chemotherapy infusion. And then what do you mean by end of life massage? End of life massage. um, I can work on people at the end of their life up until really moments before they die, if that's, if that's what they wish. And, and so I think this is important to note. Um, this is not on today's topic cause we're not talking about massage. That's right. another right. one that we've done, <laughs> but I do think it's very important to note this Pam, because our listeners, uh, we, sometimes I know I do, we take for granted that they know everything we offer at the survivorship center, right. but let's just touch real quick. Ooh, that was weird touch massage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's just talk real fast about, in, you know, you're saying infusion massage and oncology massage. This is not, this is not 
you know, oh, I've got a kink in my back and I got to go and get it worked out. No, this is not. I have sore muscles. Um, I need to go to get a massage. This is not a spa massage like you at the Hyatt or whatever those places are. Right. That's correct. Give our listeners just a quick touch on what your kind of massage for oncology massage and infusion massage is. Sure. And they're a little bit different, but they both are always very gentle. Sometimes when people get like a Swedish massage that's really firm or a deep tissue massage, their body needs to recover from that. Mm -hmm. There should never be any recovery time from an oncology massage. It's very gentle. It's just to help make my clients feel better. It can give them a little more energy. It can give them a break from all the stuff that's going on with them. And so it's just calming and it's to feel good. De-stress. Ryan, once uh, once upon a time, uh, Melanie told me um, if you're able to get a hug, you can come and get a massage. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So very gentle. Yeah. And that's that's what's cool, you know, um, to be able to provide that unique service while they're getting the infusion that, as you know, Pam, four hours, six hours. Last a while. You know, sitting in those very comfortable settings <laughs> and it's it's a nice break to have a hand or a foot uh, massage from Melanie in the infusion room. Right. So that just wanted to, you know, quickly hit on that because, you know, we do have um, a lot of slots, but those slots do go fast when Melanie's here at the center. So That's on true. to today's topic, let's talk about end of life planning and kind of what some of those services might look like. And, you know, um, I guess maybe this is the best place to start. Why should someone plan for end of life? Well, because we're all going to die, like you said earlier. Um, I am also an end of life doula in addition to being um, an oncology massage therapist. But um, I think sometimes people don't want to think about it. They don't want to think about dying. Their family doesn't want to discuss the end of life. And it really, when somebody plans ahead, it's a gift to their family and loved ones that when the person does die or as they're reaching the end, they know exactly what the person wants done while they're still alive and then after they've died, where they're they're, they're going to be grieving afterwards. And so they can have this. It's done. Exactly. They have one less thing to think about. They're thinking about everything else and they can really spend more time focusing on their family, their loved ones, and thinking about the person who died. So I do have to ask, what made you get into end of life doula? Well, my clients here, um, interestingly enough, even my clients who had an excellent prognosis, who knew that their cancer would be treated and cured, there's something about getting a cancer diagnosis that makes you really start thinking about your mortality. And I would hear it again and again. We've talked about how in my room, my clients talk about all sorts of things that maybe they wouldn't talk about in front of large groups of people or Mm -hmm. even sometimes to their families and loved ones. Um, And death comes up a lot in my room. And I had one client in particular who the very first time I met her, she told me she was terminal and that her family would not discuss it with her. And I didn't shy away from that discussion, and it was that day that I realized the importance of this kind of work. It 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 brings up um, a lot of like pondering, you know, as we're sitting here going through this. Like, um, oh, there's no question, you know, 
hearing the just simply hearing the words you have cancer it, and I'm assuming I mean this is like duh moment right you, you it causes you instantly like you said to think about mortality because we've been trained for years and years and years and years ago that the cancer was a death sentence right. and it's not now uh, that does not mean you won't pass from cancer but it's not like just as it used to be how long has this practice been around that's my i'm curious because since the dawn of time since the dawn of time <laughs> <laughs> yeah really yeah, there have been is, people helping people but, when they're dying but since we, the beginning of time maybe the, it shows our reluctance to talk about it for that sure maybe that's why it's just kind of become now more prevalent absolutely you know i think for as long as humans have been being born and dying there have been people assisting in those situations so yeah yeah so I want to be prepared. What does that mean when I come to see you? What can you do for me? If you want to go and do and fill out an advanced directive, there are there are lots of advanced directives out there. Um, I I kind of feel like Goldilocks sometimes. There's you know the one that I feel is really really small, and the ones that I feel are really really big. And I'm and I can work with either of those with my clients, but I'm really trying to find one that's sort of just right. Um, and and every client has their own just right advanced directive. But at the most basic, boiled down, an advanced directive tells people what you what kind of medical treatment you want if you are unable to speak for yourself. Yeah. That's what it basically basically is. And then there are other fancier, more in-depth advanced directives that you can say if you want pictures of who, whoever by your bedside, if there are prayers you want said, if there are people that you absolutely want to be there or do not want to be there. Um, so, and again, there and everything in between as far as planning. And, and some of you, Pam, may be thinking, this sounds a little familiar. They were, if you've been listening to our podcast, for two years now, yeah. <laughs> if you've been listening to our podcast, we uh, did a podcast called the five wishes. And, uh, Melanie, I know you, you've used the five wishes and, and done, uh, um, that with some of the folks that you've worked with. And as, as if you've looked at that, you may go, there's so much there. It's like page upon page upon page. And I would assume that may be one of the ones that you're referring to beyond just the advanced directive that gives you lots of opportunity to embellish or tell what you want and what you don't want and how you want and all of these things. But it's kind of a roadmap, right? Yeah, it's wonderful. It's that's a wonderful document. And and I love it, but it's not for everyone. So I've also had clients who have chosen to use just the Texas state one. There are three basic questions. They initial it, Mm -hmm. choose what they want, sign it, and then um, have people witness Witness that they sign it. Yep. And it becomes a legal it is a document, document at that point once yes. it's witnessed. Yes. It does not have to be, you know, taken to the lawyer. Nope. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, money, great deals of money spent on that. Nope. Um, so it's very simple and easy. It, that one is very simple and easy. And really, even the more in-depth ones aren't hard. They just take more thinking about what it is you want. So what do you do with this document um, after you have it witnessed and... You have this document. That's such a good question. Um, so you fold so, it away yeah. and you put it in the you safe. You hide it, right? I mean, that's what. Yeah, you do actually don't want it in your safe. You I, want it somewhere that people exactly. can find no, it. No, I know. That, I was being funny because like, that's like like my will, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's in the safe, and you think, well, that's where all the important documents go. So it must just go along with those, right? This one you kind of want to spread around. That's the wrong answer. Yeah, yes. you make copies of it. You you 
give it to your loved ones. You let them know. Um, often in that paperwork, you assign someone as your healthcare proxy. You absolutely want to make sure that person has it. Um, you want to make sure that your doctor has it, the hospital that you go to, you want them to have it. And that way, if you show up one day and you're not able to speak for yourself, if they can't get in touch with that healthcare proxy, they at least have in writing what it was that you wanted on that day that you filled it out. But that actually reminds me that this is also called a living will because it is a living document and you should be changing it and updating it when big life changes happen. At least review it, if nothing else. Yeah. So this is not something you want to keep hidden to yourself no, and not no, tell someone no, <laughs> you no. want, you know, if, if you're listening and, and, and you go through with one of these, you need to share it. Otherwise no one, it, it, it was futile to do what you did. Right. No oh. one knows that, that what your wishes are. Right. Although also like we talked about earlier, sometimes it's really hard to bring up these topics, you know, talking about the end of life and people's loved ones don't want to hear about it or talk about it because it makes them feel sad or worry. Um, so sometimes that's a way to bring it up is, hey, I've worked on this document. I want you to know I have it. I would like you to have it. Um, I, this is where I keep it, et cetera. Yeah. I imagine that is a very hard conversation to have with some family, family members. It can be. It's really cultural that we don't talk about death and we don't really look at death or see people when they're dead here. Um, and so it can be. That's changing. Um, we do things like death cafes and death over dinner. There's a whole movement right now so that people really feel prepared and comfortable, even though death is very sad and nobody really wants to think about their loved ones dying. Not talking about it doesn't make it better. It really makes it harder and it makes it worse. So, you know, talking about it does help. So you can meet with um, our patients and go over this document for them to have for their records, correct? That's correct. I can let them choose which one they would want to fill out too. And how do they go about getting in touch with you? If they're not already my client, they would just call up here to yeah. the office. Mm -hmm. What is it? 331-2400? 806-331-2400. They would talk to Maribel and Maribel will give them my contact information. Yeah. And I guess too, I, it's interesting you brought up about spreading the document as we were kind of joking about this, but uh, I, I never thought about how far and wide that really needs to go. Mm -hmm. It's not just your loved ones. Um, you know, yeah, your doctor needs to have it. You know, anytime you go to the hospital, right, they're going to ask, do you have an advanced directive, anything like that? Um, and definitely too, as you said, review it and update it. Um, especially yes. too, if, um, you know, uh, let's say for instance, and they may go, well, why would I need to update it? It's my wishes are my wishes. Well, but if you have a, um, if you've done the five wishes, which is very, uh, in depth and it gives you all these options and maybe there's someone on there that you have said, that's my healthcare proxy. And that person is not alive anymore, or that person, um, has moved off and they're not in town. I mean, or whatever the case may be, or you've changed your mind and you want this person to be your, your healthcare proxy. Um, that's why it's important to review those documents. Exactly. And a good point about healthcare proxy also is maybe your best friend or your spouse might not be your healthcare proxy because although they may love you, they might not have the same feelings about end of life care as you do. So you want to choose someone who will Make sure that your wishes are known and followed through regardless of what their feelings are. 
Yeah. And that's what's most important. If that's what you're doing, you want that person to do what you want. Correct. So is there any other document that you should have prepared before you die? Oh, there are lots, but they do require a lawyer. You do, you know, having a will is a good idea. Um, But I think that really the basic, basic thing is to have an advanced directive, even if you've never had any sort of scary diagnosis, even if you're in your 20s and healthy, um, it's just, it's really important to let your wishes be known. Yeah, and that's a very good point. Um, There's a lot of documents, right? I mean, who, who, who takes your stuff and who does your things? I mean, those are important things But as you said, uh, require a will. Um, I can remember when I filled out my will, uh, shortly after we got married, uh, my wife and I both did one and it was the strangest feeling. It's like, I got my whole life ahead of me, (laughs) you know, 20 something got my whole life ahead of me. And, uh, but it was impressed upon us how important it was that you have a will. Yep. It's important. Yeah. So what else um, does end of death or the doula part as, as an end of life doula? Mm-hmm. Um, an end of life doula provides non-medical services to people who are at the end of their lives. So I don't know if you've ever heard of the term liminal space, but a liminal space is kind of an in-between space. So between life and death. And that to me is this precious time that I can work with my clients. And and I, I can be with my clients when they're actually actively dying. But that time when they're really starting to think about it, trying to get all the things done that they want to do before they die, um, making sure that they have as much life at the end of their life. Um, that's really important to me is that that little yeah. space there. And that's why I prefer end of life doula over death doula. Although a death doula, end of life doula, uh, death midwife, they're really all the same. It's interesting. I think when we started talking about this, um, right after you, you got certified and we would like, help me understand and help me understand. And you're like, it's it different for every person. Yeah. And I, I remember you saying, you know, like for some people it is, I, you know, take care of errands that they need done so that the the husband and wife can be together and, you know, spend time together in those, those final moments. And I'm helping, you know, with whatever it might look like, or, you know, it's, it's, I'm the go between, you know, with the family and, and help the family all understand and kind of all the thing, but it it is incredibly different and individualized, right? It's not just a cookie cutter, like, well, here's what I do, snap, and here we go, and this is step one, and this is step two. Oh, absolutely. Every person is different. Every family dynamic is different. Um, I mean, I've had had clients who really just want me to come there and talk to them and give them a massage, and then I kind of go. And sometimes I have people who, the spouse, the caregiver, they want to go run errands. They need that break. They Mm -hmm. need to go take a walk or go to the grocery store, and I just sit vigil with the person who's dying or just keep them company if they're not actively dying, but they aren't able to go do anything at that point. Um, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. Really, it's it's so wide open. It's so vast. It's hard to even pinpoint, you know, when people say, what is it that you do? It's like anything that's not medical, really. Yeah. It can be a lot of things. Right. Someone to listen to. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, like with that first client, she didn't have anybody to talk to her about this. And I was one of the first people in her life to just listen to her talk about 
how she wanted to die, regardless of when it happened and what she wanted at her funeral. And she lived for almost five years after that conversation. But, um, but I was, it made me feel really special that I was the person who could be there for her in that moment. Yeah. And I guess too, um, you're almost kind of, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting concept when you think about, um, someone who doesn't have someone who's there, they don't have any family member. You know, I know Pam, we've, we've talked on countless occasions about, uh, someone who, you know, maybe does not have family and, and we always know the support of a family member is key. Right. And so you're almost kind of like a pseudo family member. Definitely. Yeah. You, and in my website, I have a little quote that a woman who, who used to live here said to me, she said, it's like, I'm like a surrogate daughter huh. in the house yeah. where, you know, I do, I do get to treat people like they're my family. And, you know, sometimes that means hard conversations with family members who are here. Um, sometimes that just means, you know, whatever, cleaning, cleaning the kitchen, you yeah. know, things like that. You know, I'm totally seeing, and I think the other way you described as you did earlier about like, uh, a, a midwife or, you know, there's birth doulas mm -hmm. and I'm seeing now the connection in my mind of, of the things that people do when a baby's born, you know, you have people that run interference for aunt Janie or whoever, Yeah, <laughs> oh, know? for sure. she is not coming in the room, you know, or whatever the dynamics are. I see that. And I'm thinking, okay, I see the connection now of, um, as Pam, you said, you're, there's only two things that are for sure. That's right. You're born and you're going to die. Right. For sure. And birth and death are so similar in that you often know it's coming. You don't know exactly when you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, you want the person to be as comfortable as possible. So it's very similar and you are absolutely right. There are, there are times when I do have to steer people away or bring people in and a birth doula and a death doula are closely related. Yeah. It's usually the baby's crying whenever it's born and the person dying is not and everybody around them is crying. That's right. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the one of the classes I took once, they actually said that death really is a birth into something else. And we all have our ideas of what that is, but everyone's idea is different. But it definitely is a huge change. And it is really a kind of birth at the end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Pam, one of the things that we talked about when we started the survivorship program mm -hmm. um, was really filling gaps and filling voids. Right. You know, there's there, you know, as far as we knew, there was no oncology massage therapist. And here comes Melanie and ta -da, there is one. And here we are. So we offer this service because it could be beneficial. Right. You know, we have cancer recovery specialists that work one on one. Susan, um, specially trained in helping you get back on your feet, you know, after you're done with your treatment and building back some endurance and muscle strength and tone and all the things. And, you know, we we've we fulfilled all these uh, uh, these gaps. voids and gaps that there are. And this is another one of those gaps that, you know, we're able to provide a service for. Right. And I think um, it, it can be such a, a major, major gap or void um, that this one can fill. Yeah, I think partly because we focus so much on survival, you know, it's the survivorship center um, that we don't really want to talk about the end of life. But when I had clients feeling like, well, I was told I'm going to I'm probably going to die from cancer. Can I not come anymore? Well, of course they can still come. Sure. And this is just one more service that we can provide. You know, I think being a survivor, 
that you've lived past getting your diagnosis and you've gone through whatever you've had to go through. And sometimes it doesn't work. Luckily, often it does. And people go on to live a long life, but none of us will live forever. And I'm so grateful that we are able to provide this very specialized service to people who are at the end of their life. Yeah, Melanie, as you were talking, I was thinking there's something else that you do here at the center that's fairly new and that I don't know if we've brought up um, on the podcast, but we have a grief group. Explain to our listeners um, what that group looks like and what um, you talk about in that group. I'm so happy we have this group. I had um, I was gone out of town and I got two different messages from people asking if I knew of a grief group in town. And I reached out to Tiffany and she and I like to work together. Anybody who knows me knows that we've worked together quite a bit. And um, we both really felt it was important to have a group. And so it's sometimes about death, but it's often just about the grief, any kind of grief that comes up with a cancer diagnosis or with things that go on in our lives. We, there are lots of little deaths in life. And um, we're there to talk about any of them. And it's a really open forum. Sometimes we have an idea of what we want to talk about, but the group can take us another direction. That's fine. And um, we're just really there to listen and learn from each other and talk about things that often other people don't want to talk about. Yeah. You know, we we also coincidentally did a podcast on grief and grieving and right. with Tiffany. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's important, as, as you said, it's um, that's where our mind drifts. Right. When you think of grief, like, oh, well, I didn't lose anybody um, or I don't you know, that's not that's not me. But maybe you are. Uh, stressed over not being able to work or maybe you're, you know, which is a form of grieving. Um, you're grieving the loss of your job or you're grieving the loss of Body um, image. your hair, which we have a wig room to help you with that if you're a woman. Um, but, you know, if you're if you're you're grieving something um, that we have that group for you. Yeah, I it's think- not about a death. Right. Not always. Right. Sometimes it is. And I think that um, we've as a world collectively been grieving since the pandemic started. I think it showed us all the little things that you don't realize are important that then you lose them and then you realize how important they really are. And so um, the group does give you an opportunity to come and talk about anything that you feel like you have lost from. Mm -hmm. And let's, let's let's be real clear too. Tiffany is a licensed professional counselor Mm -hmm. um, who has experience in grief Um, in a previous job. um, She worked uh, here in Amarillo and, and helped those uh, grieving the loss of someone. So, um, you know, it's very, you guys are both um, very specialized in those areas. And so again, I've said this a, a gajillion times, Pam, we have the most amazing instructors and facilitators here at the center. We've been very blessed to oh, find some very specialized, uh, specialized people that can um, give those services to our um, listeners, Absolutely. our survivors. Um, so Melanie, thank you for everything that you do here at the center. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about um, regarding end of life? Oh, gosh, I think um, like we talked about before, planning for it as a gift for your family, talking about it helps. And um, just really thinking about things that that are important to you and making sure that you either, you know, get to do them or get to experience them as you get closer to the end of your life. I think I love when I can grant wishes for people and help things come true for them. 
and share it. Yeah. And share with your loved ones, your wishes. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for um, enlightening our listeners. And we like to leave our listeners with an auto ink inspiring moment. Do you have one? I do. Let's see if I can talk about this without getting emotional. Um, There, there's a a client that I've had for a long time. And when her husband was dying, it was very important to her. Um, He was dying of cancer. She's a cancer survivor. And it was really important to her to have me come there and help her bathe his body before he was, his body was taken to the funeral home. Um, She told the nurse at hospice not to do it. And she called me, it was, I think, 1130 at night, it was Easter. And um, I came over and it was just a really special moment that we got to have together with him. And I'll never forget it. I'm so grateful that I got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it brings forth the impact and the importance of being prepared. Yes. And so um, if there's anything that we've hopefully stressed enough through this podcast is uh, being prepared. And I think, I think Pam, um, the homework speaks for itself. Um, I know I need to be better prepared. Right. I Um, think we all could be. We all could be. Even if you feel as prepared as you think you are, if that's Mm -hmm. the right way to phrase it, (laughs) you probably could be a little bit better prepared. So uh, yeah, thank you, Melanie, for, for sharing us, uh, sharing with us your talents here at the survivorship center. Um, and with um, our listeners today and educating them more on um, uh, better ways to be prepared. You're welcome. Thank you for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So before we leave, um, how do they get in touch to get a massage? If you want to get a massage, you can call or text me. I can respond to texts often faster than a phone call. My number is 806-471-2707. And if they want to get in touch about end of life? information they, they should call maribel mm-hmm. at the front desk 806-331-2400 if you're already my client go ahead and call or text me yeah. and then one last thing what about how do they get involved in grief group grief group is the first wednesday of every month and we meet here at 6 30 at the center yeah Okay. Lots, lots of ways you can see Melanie. <laughs> and if you can't remember any of those, just call 806-331-2400. Yeah. And you know, the other thing too, Pam, is you can always find our calendar on our website. Uh, yes. The website is the number 24survivorship.org, 24survivorship.org. Listen, there's, there's numerous buttons there, but there's several of them that say calendar or calendar of events. And you can simply go there. Usually comes out about a week to 10 days, sometimes two weeks early before the next month. So be looking for that. Um, That's when it's important for you to do what Pam to get involved, to call um, uh, or text Melanie to get that massage. Yeah. And get involved in something, you know, Mm. Um, there there's, there's wonderful power in community. And that's really what this place is, is, uh, uh, is a great community of folks. Cancer survivors understanding other cancer survivors. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, um, especially too, when you think about all the things we offer, um, the survivors get it, you know, they, they understand the importance of, um, being prepared. Um, now whether they've taken that step or not to be prepared, right? <laughs> Cause if we understand it too, but right. as we, as I said, I, I need to be more prepared. So, uh, 
take take a listen to the Five Wishes podcast. Um, you can go to their website. You can look at the information there. Uh, of course, Melanie has all the other, other information um, that maybe you might need if you're interested in that. And then make sure you join us next week for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thanks again for listening to Beyond the Ribbon. We'd like to extend a special thanks to the Auto Inc. family of dealerships as they have supported the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center since 2016. For more information on the Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website at 24survivorship.org.